Welcome back to the Florida History Podcast. I'm Carter Krishnire. I'm going to be flying solo this week as we talk about Hurricane Katrina 15 years later. I don't think there's any doubt that Hurricane Katrina is one of the greatest tragedies in modern American history, eclipsed only by 9-11 and COVID-19. And we're, of course, in the middle as we record this and, and probably when you're listening to this in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic in the United States, a pandemic that has claimed over 10,000 lives as of this recording in the state of Florida. Hurricane Katrina wreaked havoc on Louisiana and Mississippi, an unspeakable tragedy, 1,836 total Americans dead from Hurricane Katrina. I'm going to walk through some of my own experiences with the storm and reflections on the storm in this podcast. But the focus is going to be on Hurricane Katrina's impacts on the state of Florida because it's often forgotten and it's sometimes not known by people outside the state of Florida that Katrina's first landfall was actually in Florida. First U.S. landfall was in Florida as a Category 1 hurricane, making landfall a little bit south of Fort Lauderdale, Hollywood, Hamilton Beach area doing some damage and, and causing some death and destruction in Southeast Florida before it made its way into the Gulf of Mexico. And of course, the rest is, is very sad history. So the storm pops up as a tropical depression on August 23rd. And it's important to remember August 24th is an important date in South Florida history, August 24th being the day in 1992, Hurricane Andrew made its landfall uh, around Florida City, Homestead, that area of South Dade County, Category 5 storm, one of the most significant events in the modern history of this state. And, and uh, Katrina would not have that kind of impact on Florida. Wilma, which we will talk about, Robert Buccellato and I will talk about on the 15th anniversary of that storm, probably did have a similar impact as Andrew in terms of economic damage, uh, just overall uh problems it created and, and, and transformations it created for the state. But we'll talk about one, one, two months. Let's talk about Katrina today. August 23rd, as I said, pops up as a tropical depression in the central Bahamas. It looks like it's going to be nothing more than a depression or maybe a tropical storm when it makes landfall on the southeast coast of Florida. Katrina formed as a combination of a tropical wave and a tropical depression that had uh, merged uh, the remnants of a tropical depression and a tropical wave that had come. They both, this is the Cape Verde time of the year, right? When storms come off the coast of Africa uh, near the Cabo Verde Islands and uh, make their way across the Atlantic. Oftentimes they never really develop and they remain tropical waves with open uh, circulation and, and uh, some tropical weather associated with them, but not the sort of top uh, features we see in tropical cyclones. So there were actually two of those types of storms that merged and became a tropical depression 12 southeastern slash central Bahamas on August 23rd, 2005. South Florida had been placed under a tropical storm watch at 5 a.m. Uh, in the 5 a.m. advisory. And if you know how the National Hurricane Center works, 11 a.m., 5 a.m., uh, 11 a.m., 5 p.m., 11 p.m. Those are your major advisories. So the 5 a.m. advisory, there is a tropical storm watch issued from Florida City 
to Englewood on the west coast, well, which is in, including Florida Bay, Englewood, which is in Sarasota County, Florida City, which is in Miami-Dade County, there had been a, uh, a tropical storm warning issued uh, up the coast to Vero Beach from, from Florida City. At this point in time, Katrina is forecast to make landfall somewhere in between Miami and Boca Raton, somewhere between Miami and West Palm Beach, Dave Broward, Palm Beach counties. And then it was forecast to go right across the peninsula and exit the peninsula as a tropical storm somewhere between Venice in Sarasota County and Naples. In fact, this is not what happened and, and because it, it exited the state much further south, which we'll talk about uh, in a little bit. That gave it the head of steam to head north and, and do what it did to the Gulf Coast. And in fact, when it was originally projected to kind of turn after it left the uh, coast and then hit somewhere, uh, a second landfall somewhere in the Big Bend area of Florida. And obviously that is not what happened. However... What ended up happening is the storm intensifies. It might be a hurricane. It looks like at the 11 o'clock advisory, by the 2 p.m. intermediate advisory, it was pretty clear that at best, southern Florida, southeastern Florida, the metropolitan area with over uh, 6 million people now had well over 5 million people at the time. It's going to be facing a strong tropical storm and a direct hit. So uh, businesses started to close. People went home. Etc. 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 5 p.m. advisory. Southeast Florida from Florida City in Miami-Dade County, the Jupiter Inlet, uh, Palm Beach-Martin County line, put under a hurricane warning. Just an hour and a half later, normally it's a 20, you're put under a hurricane warning 24 to 36 hours before a landfall. We've seen the National Hurricane Center push it to 36 hours more recently. Hurricane warnings issued an hour and a half before uh, landfall, uh, and landfall took place as a Category 1 storm on the line between Hallandale Beach and uh, Golden Beach, really the, the, the Dade Brower line, right? And the eye doesn't hit a specific point. There's a diameter of the eye. It's about five or six miles wide. So uh, it officially made landfall in Hallandale, Hallandale Beach, which makes it uh, the most recent hurricane to make a direct hit on Broward County, makes it the most recent hurricane to make a direct hit on the southeast Florida area as its first uh, point of entry into the United States. Obviously, Hurricane Wilma uh, hit, uh, or I should say when I say South Florida area, the Miami metropolitan area, uh, obviously uh, Hurricane Irma, which was Category 4 storm in 2017, its first uh, U.S. landfall was, at, uh, was in Monroe County. Second U.S. landfall was in Collier County, but uh, there had been no U.S. landfalls for uh, hurricanes, first U.S. landfalls for hurricanes in the Miami metropolitan area since Katrina. That's not to say the area has not been impacted by hurricanes. Obviously, it has, most notably Wilma and Irma, uh, but also uh, brushes from Matthew, uh, Dorian, and uh, uh, Isais very recently, just in the last few weeks as, as we uh, as we record this. In fact, Palm Beach County was under a hurricane warning during SIEs just three weeks ago, which is part of the Miami, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Beach, metropolitan area. So anyway, makes landfall. And the fact that it made landfall an hour and a half after becoming a hurricane, it was not a hurricane until five 
p.m. the 5 p.m. advisory was an indication as to how things would go for the Gulf Coast. Obviously, the Gulf Coast was put under a hurricane watch and a hurricane warning well in advance, but it just was that kind of storm, right? And again, one of the three great tragedies, I think, in modern American history, along with 9-11 and COVID-19. So let's but let's get back to how, what it did here in Florida. Uh, so uh, there was a lot of late decisions made. Now, to Jeb Bush's credit, Governor Jeb Bush, he declared a state of emergency on the 24th when it looked like there would be a weak tropical storm coming into southeast Florida. Justified that, of course, being that it's a major metropolitan area, again, over five million people at the time. Five and a half million people at the time, now well over six million people. That uh, those uh, that that those preparations had to be made. Uh, eventually, Miami International Airport, Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport, uh, were closed. Uh, schools were closed in in several places. I, I, I want to uh, mention that the schools were not closed in Miami Dade and Broward uh, the uh, the day that the storm ended up getting hit. Now this led to. Uh, Maybe an abundance of caution as the rest of the uh, hurricane season went on in 2005. So what we had uh, a month later was Hurricane Rita. South Florida was put under a hurricane warning for that, or part of South Florida was put under a hurricane warning for that storm. Uh, Dave and Broward counties were. Uh, Palm Beach was not. I was living in Palm Beach at the time. Palm Beach was put under a tropical storm warning or a hurricane watch. Storm didn't really affect South Florida. Schools were closed. That storm, of course, uh, did affect the Keys and then made landfall in Texas. And uh, one of the lessons from Hurricane Rita was that evacuations sometimes can kill more people than the storm itself if they're not handled correctly. Because of what had happened in Katrina, directly to the east in Louisiana and Mississippi, uh, it, just three weeks earlier, people in Texas panicked. Uh, there were, I, I want to say, over 100 people died in the evacuation. And the storm itself didn't kill 100 people in Texas. Uh, although, of course, those are storm-related deaths, those evacuation deaths. So, uh, But that, that was a, a painful les lesson from Rita, that uh, if you don't have an orderly evacuation and don't have the roads declogged for the evacuation, people are going to die in the evacuation. A lot of people died of dehydration, et cetera. Uh, and that was a lesson, I think, for us in Florida that we didn't heed in Irma, uh, obviously, we'll probably talk about that another time, and that's very current, so maybe that's not really Florida history and belongs on this podcast. But uh, Irma, uh, the evacuation in Florida was a debacle, as I think everybody is aware of during Irma. So anyway, back to the storm makes landfall, and it dropped heavy rain uh, throughout the Miami metropolitan area, particularly in South Dade County, uh, 16 and a half inches in Perrine in South Dade which was the highest uh, rain total for any spot in the United States from this storm. So Perrine actually got more rain than any point in Louisiana, Mississippi, or Alabama, any point on the Gulf Coast, inundated South Florida. And it, it was also a, an odd, uh, odd thing that happened with the storm that it made landfalls, I said, in Hallandale Beach. And then as it was interacting with land, dipped pretty dramatically to the south. So if you know the geography of South Florida, the landfall was effectively on the Dade-Broward line. It's recorded as Hallandale Beach, so it's recorded on the Broward side of the line, but effectively at the county line. 
by the time it exited Dade County and was heading into Monroe, the center of the storm was basically due west of the Redlands area, which, of course, is a flood-prone area, those of you who know South Florida. So that is about a 30-mile dip, 25, 30-mile dip to the southwest, uh, which uh, is very odd in, 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 in kind of Atlantic hurricanes when they landfall. And, and this was part of what uh, gave Katrina a full run-up to, to make its run at, at, at the Gulf Coast because it dipped further and further south, uh, ended up having a, a, a pretty strong effect on, on Key West uh, because of this, the, the keys that had never been placed under a hurricane warning. Uh, and they ended up getting impacted. Uh, there was one advisory where Katrina was weakened to a tropical storm, but continued to kind of dip further and further south and then got this run up to get this head of steam over very hot sauna-like waters of the Gulf of Mexico, which uh, 2005, you saw... Uh, Katrina, Rita, and Wilma, the three storms I've mentioned, that all had South Florida at one point placed under a hurricane warning, one point or another during those storms, all became incredibly intense in the Gulf. They all reached Category 5 status in the Gulf. It was a, a very, very uh, incredible summer, an incredible heat in the Gulf of Mexico, which always has hot water, but it was particularly favorable for, for tropical storm development or development of tropical cyclones in 2005. So South Florida got some pretty uh, heavy winds as well. Uh, we had uh, gusts of uh, 82 miles per hour at the Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport, 78 miles per hour at the Miami International Airport, 76 miles per hour at Tamiami Airport, which is in West Kendall, which is uh, actually about where the center ended up after it had made this southward jog. Uh, and uh, 92 miles per hour at Port Everglades, which was right by where uh, the storm made landfall. Uh, 97 miles per hour at Homestead. Uh, a couple of other uh, recorded uh, gusts, uh, were, which were over hurricane strength. Uh, 77 miles per hour at Marco Island in Collier County. 74 miles per hour at the Boca Raton Airport, which is right by Florida Atlantic University. So uh, major, major impacts uh, on uh on South Florida, there were a number of homes that were damaged by, by local flooding. There were tornadoes that were spawned, including one that just ripped through the Marathon Airport. There was a collapse of an overpass in Miami-Dade County over the 836. It was an overpass between uh, 87th Avenue and 107th Avenue. I want to say it may have been the 97th Avenue overpass. That's logical. I can't remember for sure, but there was a collapse of an expressway overpass. There were a number of deaths in uh, South Florida, 12 deaths from this storm in Southeast Florida, which was uh, a, a pretty high number for a Category 1 storm. You had uh, three deaths caused in Broward by downed trees. You had three te uh, deaths from drowning in Miami-Dade, from uh, carbon monoxide poisoning and, and generator issues. That was a precursor for what was going to happen when the storm headed north. So the storm heads north. It goes to the Gulf. We know what it did to New Orleans. We know what it did to Mississippi and Alabama. Florida panhandles right there as well. So there were significant damages in the Florida panhandle. And keep in mind, the panhandle had just been impacted by Ivan, in 2004, and Dennis early in the season in 2005, and also got some effects 
from Hurricane Francis as that traversed the state in 2004, right? Made its first landfall around uh, Sewell's Point, around Stewart, and really impacted Southeast Florida and the Treasure Coast and the Space Coast more than it impacted other parts of the state. And Orlando, that was the Orlando got hit by, effectively got hit by three hurricanes crisscrossing right over the state, Charlie, Francis, and Gene. So they had some effects from Francis, but they were, they've really been hit hard by Ivan, particularly the Pensacola area. And then uh, Dennis had done a lot of damage also between Panama City, or not even really Panama City, with between Walton County and, and Escambia. So there were damages in the panhandle from Katrina. Uh, the periphery of the storm created a pretty big storm surge. Uh, in Escambia County, there was beach erosion. There were roadways that were closed. There was there were trees that were, uh, you know, kind of that were that were that had been impacted by Dennis that finally came down uh, with the outer bands of Katrina. There were, I want to say, a half dozen tornadoes in uh, in the Panhandle, although um, they didn't cause significant damage. Uh, but there was uh, other damage from these. Uh, from these outer bands and, and from uh, 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 heavy rainfall and debris and stuff that had been loosened by Dennis coming down, uh, there were two deaths in the Florida Panhandle. So in total, we had 14 deaths in the state of Florida from Hurricane Katrina, a direct hit in the Miami-Fort Lauderdale area, a uh, indirect or indirect impacts in the Florida panhandle just uh, about a month and a half after they had been uh, hit directly by Hurricane Dennis. South Florida would be impacted by Hurricane Rita, as I mentioned earlier, late, uh, late, three weeks later. And then the big one for South Florida would be Hurricane Wilma, October of 2005. Robert Bucciolato and I are going to talk about that when we get to the 15th anniversary in two months. So today, just wanted to give an overview of what Hurricane Katrina did in Florida, one of the greatest tragedies in modern American history, but it's often forgotten. It did make its first U.S. landfall in Florida, and it also had some impacts when it made that tragic run to the Gulf Coast on the Florida Panhandle. You can get a new edition of the Florida History Podcast wherever you get podcasts. We will be back with you next week.